Hi everyone, Paul here, host of the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. Why would my next guest post a TikTok video that goes like this? Hi, I'm from Oklahoma. I'm a pastor from Oklahoma. I'm a pastor from Oklahoma who drives a 4x4 pickup. I'm a pastor from Oklahoma who drives a 4x4 pickup, and I'm registered Republican. And I just voted for Joe Biden. Why would an Oklahoma pastor who drives a pickup vote for Joe Biden in the last election? And why would he respond to criticism of that like this? Hi, I'm that pastor from Oklahoma. You know, the one that voted for Joe Biden. I actually ran into somebody here in Oklahoma today who was like, you're that guy from TikTok. Just shut up, man. Just shut up. Nobody wants to listen to your fake news anymore. Okay, first off, I have almost 20,000 new friends who tend to disagree. Y'all are amazing, by the way. Listen, I'll shut up when Donald Trump quits lying about the election and y'all quit letting him. I'll shut up when Christians stop worshiping orange Jesus. I'll shut up when DACA recipients have citizenship. I'll shut up when our borders are open to refugees. I'll shut up when black people quit getting killed by police. I'll shut up when people are welcome in the church, no questions asked. I'll shut up when we treat each other the same and love each other the same. But the way things are going, I'm not shutting up anytime soon. I'm talking to a pastor from Oklahoma who is concerned about the right-wing political leanings of the church, loves the church, and thinks the evangelical church can be better, and the country as a whole can be better. I think you're going to enjoy hearing from Pastor Jeremy Coleman on this edition of the Nonpartisan Evangelical. Hope you'll stick around and listen. First, let me tell you this. I want you to help. A lot of you have been asking me how you can help spread the word of the Nonpartisan Evangelical and old Pastor Paul on TikTok. And here's how you can do it. Join my Patreon community. If you go to my website, npepodcast.com, that's Nonpartisan Evangelical, npepodcast.com, click on that Patreon button in the upper right-hand corner on the homepage. It'll tell you how you can join and financially pour into this work that I do. Now, it's not not-for-profit. I can't give you a tax break, but that's good because then your reward will be in heaven and not on earth, perhaps. Um, I do a for-profit business and ministry because I want to pay taxes to help invest in roads and schools and such in my neighborhood. So no tax break, but uh, still a blessing, I believe, and a gift and a joy. And we'll do some cool stuff for you, like let you hear my book in audio and be a part of our private nonpartisan evangelical group that I broadcast to every once in a while. And just hang out and have some access. So would you help? Go to the website, npepodcast.com, click on the Patreon button in the upper right-hand corner, and I would so appreciate you being a help. Other ways you can help are follow me on TikTok, subscribe on YouTube, and just tell others about what we do here on the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. And now, let's talk to that pastor from Oklahoma who voted for Joe Biden next on this edition of the Nonpartisan Evangelical at npepodcast.com. those willing to listen, learn, and have eyes to see and ears to hear, this is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? Challenging the mindset of right-wing Christianity and encouraging people to have their minds renewed and hearts transformed. What knucklehead, mush for brains, evangelical leaders are trying to, uh, to overthrow Trump? It's a special kind of dumb and calling yourself a Christian. Let's have better conversations about the life modeled in the Bible so we can truly tell the world God is not mad at you. This is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at npepodcast.com. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Glad you're with us on a Monday as we're recording this. A beautiful day here in Central California. Hopefully a great play, get great day where you are. And I'm excited about our guest on the podcast today. He is a pastor from Oklahoma. In fact, he's that pastor from Oklahoma on TikTok. And his name's Jerry Col Jeremy Coleman, the vision pastor for West Metro Community Church in Oklahoma City. 
And uh, some of you may know him from TikTok as that pastor that voted for Joe Biden and grew to some fame. And so I'm excited to talk to him about where he's going with this as an influencer, Jeremy, did you ever think you would be a TikTok influencer? Man, I, I know, I know that's a that is a crazy question, and I'm sure one that you probably have asked of you as well, or you've asked yourself. Like you wake up and you look at the mirror and you're like, "I'm a TikTok influencer." I don't know how that feels, but no, I didn't really ever. I didn't really ever think that would be a title applied to me by any stretch of the imagination. But it's been a fun journey. I don't know. I wouldn't trade it. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I was, we, we saw my wife's assistant from her job, and, and she told me, like, my, my daughters came running in the other day, and they said, Mom, your boss's husband is famous. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so it's a new thing there. But let me show people, give them a little feel of what you do on TikTok so that yeah. they can know who Jeremy, that pastor from Oklahoma, is. Hi. I'm that pastor from Oklahoma. Today, several of my amazing followers tagged me in this video, and I just wanted to add some thoughts. Hi, so I don't know if anyone cares, but I just saw a video that pushed me past my breaking point. So I'm done calling myself a Christian. First off, yes, I care. And I know how hard it is when there's so many out there giving the name Christian a bad reputation. But stand strong, because when we identify as Christians, we are saying we are people that are loved by Jesus who love like Jesus. I remember when I was confirmed, I was told that the church would be like... My like family. It is so hard when we get stabbed in the back by people who say that they love us. But don't forget, sis, Jesus' love is perfect and people are not. I will continue to preach about my faith and Jesus and God, but I am done calling myself a Christian. Yes, keep sharing your faith, but keep fighting for the name Christian because you are a beloved child of God and you deserve to carry the name of Jesus. Bye. So that's Jeremy Coleman, that pastor on TikTok. So tell me about that about that post. Yeah. Yeah. So actually I'm trying to decipher what the next steps are. And, and as you try, because your content is amazing as well. And something that you try to do is, is think about, okay, what needs to be said right now? What are the words that need to be spoken into the culture? And so I went from like that silly, hi, I'm that pastor from Oklahoma, the one who voted for Joe Biden, like that whole shtick or whatever, which was relevant at the time because it was good for people to look and go, white dude, Oklahoma pastor, big truck, Joe Biden and <laughs> you're and, a unicorn. You're a rare yeah. sight. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And, and that was the whole, that was the whole punchline that kind of started the thing was I've been on TikTok for all of 38 seconds and, and decided that I would put out this thing about looks like a duck, quacks like a duck. And then all of a sudden it's a sheep and it, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to a lot of people. And so it, it was fun. But then as that morphed, I started getting really passionate about stuff that, that I wanted to hammer. Social justice, criminal justice reform, immigration reform, things that are near and dear to my heart that I believe are near and dear to the Lord's heart as well at this time in our country. And then things that I just saw that the church was broken on. And, or at least when I say the church, the church in America, the greater church, and there's a lot of just common issues that we're seeing in the American church right now. And so I went through a phase where I got a little bit, I don't know, I don't know at times I was angry. And I was letting some of that spew. I had spent, I've been in ministry for 14 years. And so I think once the lid came off the volcano, people were catching 14 years of vomit. It was just, it was pain. It was hurt. It was watching my wife hurt by churches. It was watching my friends hurt by churches. It was times when I was hurt by churches. And, but what's interesting about that video is it's the one where I was like, you know what? I think what needs to happen is is that we need to remember that we are, and, and, I, and that was the big line I wanted people, if you walked away from anything, with anything from that video, it was, we are people who love Jesus and who love like Jesus. And uh, that's the key. And that doesn't mean that I'm not going to go on a rant again. That doesn't mean, <laughs> that, doesn't mean that I'm not going to call out things because I'm going to continue to call out things. But I think there needs to be, there, there's just something said about about how we go about that process. And, and that's something you do really is, I think you speak to those things, but you speak in a way that's obviously a little bit uh, more toned down <laughs> for me, maybe. <laughs> I try at times. I think, and, and let's dig into the anger. Let me take you back to the angry place a little bit and the, the spewing place. Like what, 
what I'm trying to say is, guys, this and and you being a pastor from Oklahoma, I, I grew up in the Midwest and Southern oh. Missouri, and so I I have those sort of Oklahoma roots, and my wife's family's from Tulsa, so we know, and so Christian and Republican were the same thing for oh. us. We we thought there was we knew nobody that didn't believe that way, and is that some of what you've been trying to speak? into maybe even on the angry side at times. A hundred percent. And it's been that process of trying to help people understand that Republican and Christian are not synonymous and that we've got to get that out of our mindset, no matter which side of the aisle that we're on politically. And actually, and, and I see people and, and I don't, I, obviously I, my intention is never to, never to hurt anybody's feelings or whatever, but I, I see a lot of people, even people who are my supporters say, oh, Jesus was a liberal. See, we have defined those things in America. We have defined what conservative means, what liberal means. Now, do I think that that the left is doing a better job <laughs> right now? Yeah, I do. About looking and being the hands and feet of Jesus and loving people for who they are? Yeah, I do. But I think... I think that Jesus is Jesus, and I think that stands alone. I think He's the definition to which everything else fits. And so, that's the reason I, my, my response to that video, which I had, and I don't know, you probably got tagged in that video yesterday did, as yeah. well. I had, I, I just turned around at one point and I was like, I have 12 mentions just out of nowhere, which you know this, like on your notifications, like the most things you get are likes, then you get comments. The mentions don't happen quite as much. And then all of a sudden I was like, man, I'm just getting this pile of mentions. What is going on? And I checked out that video and it was obviously going viral and people were calling on guys like you and I who have become like the clergy of TikTok. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're pastoring TikTok. I love it. <laughs> and so what was when you, I, I assumed you watched the original video. Yeah. What was your response? What was your first takeaway when you saw that? This is a really common thing I'm hearing now. This is a common, this, people think I just hate Trump or, hate evangelical leaders or something like that. And none of that is true. And in fact, I've been calling out this Republican right-wing conservative Christianity when Bush was president, the second Bush was president. Mm. Uh, so this was well before Trump. And the reason I call it out is because it's subverting the gospel. It's subverting the message of the church. And I believe that was what Je made Jesus so angry about the church when he was here the first time. He didn't have a lot of good things to say about the religious system of the day. And, right. and, and I think it was, hey, you're putting oppression on people and I have a whole lot of, I think it's pretty clear they were trying to restore their country. And he was like, that's not what's important right now. Right now is getting some other things in order. And so hearing millennials like Victoria, who's a fantastic TikTok creator as well, say, I'm done with Christianity is actually something I hear on a regular daily basis now. And so I'm, I may be in a little bit different place than where your video is. I'm telling, because I don't ever want to call the victim back to the victimizer. And so I'm like, okay, if you need a break, don't run from your faith. It's okay if you feel like you need to make a break from the Christian church or the evangelical church or the church of your youth, but understand these human beings are poor representatives of God. That's not who God is. Yeah. So, I, and I'm not saying you're doing that, but I'm really telling people like, hey, if that's what you need to do, if you need a break from your community, totally get it. But yeah, I love it, Jeremy. I love that agnostics and atheists on a regular basis are like, man, I hate the church, but I like what you're saying. Because man, I that, feel like I, it gives me a chance to connect them back to God. Is that not crazy how many comments you get like that? Mm. It's insane. Uh, the number of folks that are like, Man, I walked away from the church. Like I, I read a comment this morning. I walked away from the church 40 years ago. I'm thinking about going back because I watched your videos. Like, that's I, amazing. That's, that's insane to me. Uh, and I believe passionately that the Lord is using what we're doing to bring people peace, to bring people hope. And I, it's just, it, it is, it's hard. And to your point, I saw a lot of people comment on like my original post saying, or my response post to the original post saying, look, I identify as a Jesus follower because the name Christian has been 
hustled. It's been stolen by this radical evangelicalism. And I'm sympathetic to that 110%. But the thing that I always want to remember is when we call ourselves Christians of this, the literal translation is little Christ ones. We, we are yeah. literally taking his name. And that's something that I really wanted to say in that video was, look, you deserve, you get to carry the name of Jesus. And these people who are prostituting it for their gain and whatever this version of quote-unquote Christianity is, that that's not it. You should be able uh, to carry the name of Jesus and, and wear it proudly. And it hurts when people have to find new ways to identify themselves when they deserve as children of God, as those who have been called to Jesus, they deserve to carry that name. Yeah. I've been a conservative evangelical Christian and a Republican for a long time. And I'm trying today to figure out, am I any of those things anymore? Because if this is what they've become, I'm not that. Was there like a breaking point for you? Was there a, yeah, was there a moment where you're like, I'm voting for Joe Biden because X, Y, Z? And that's a really good question. I and maybe so, those are two separate things, voting for Biden they are, and the breaking point. Yeah, They are. I So, when I said this in my original video, registered Republican, as long as I can remember, if you're in Oklahoma, it's required for at least a time in your life. But <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I, I think, so, I voted for Joe Biden because, I, uh, first off, I, I felt like he, he was by far our country's best choice, especially in this election. And for these folks who were like calling Joe Biden radical and all this, kind of, Joe Biden is about right down the middle. As he leans left, there's no doubt about it, but he's pretty daggum moderate. And even my dad, I was having a conversation with him. He's like, son, I, I thought about voting for Joe Biden in the 80s. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, because back when people like used common sense and all those sorts of things. But yeah, yeah. It, it, so for me, it was a pretty clear and cut choice, at least. What was there a breaking point on the conservatism of the church and the ideo ideology of the church for you? Yeah. So I think the place where all of my, all of my chips switched hands was it just started ministry, doing full-time ministry. I was, I was 20 years old. I, I, so I grew up at a pretty, this, the high school that I went to was really diverse. And so I had a lot of friends who were people of color. And, and so it, it was a good, it was a good experience. I remember, I remember playing ball with some of my, some of my friends, like one of, one of the guys on the baseball team, a uh, guy from a podunk school here in Oklahoma, yelling the N-word at him. And I just remember him being so devastated and having that conversation with him. I remember sitting in the passenger seat when a friend of mine who's black got pulled over uh, by the police and thinking, and, I, and this is a legitimate thing. I, I remember going, my experiences aren't like this. Now, it wasn't completely out of control, but it was like, I remember getting pulled over even at, I think I was like 17. And I remember the first time I had gotten pulled over and I was given the benefit of the doubt on everything that came out of my mouth. Like this cop just trusted me. And maybe it was differences in cops. I, I, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to put right. a blanket on that, but I just remember going, man, they don't trust anything he's saying. And they like had him get out of the, out of the car and, and stuff like that. And then the crazy thing was, is they got him out of the car. They were like patting him down. And, Do you have anything on you? And he had just rolled a stop sign or something. And I remember sitting there going, usually when they get somebody out of the car, they get everybody. Out of the they never touched me. And I was like, this is wild to me. So I just remember experiences like that and having those conversations with my friends who uh, I remember saying at one point, like I was in eighth grade on the basketball team. And I remember sitting with my teammates and saying, oh, man, aren't we glad that we live in a country where racism is in our past? And these dudes just looked at me and I'll never forget this kid named Nick. He looked me square in the face and he goes, if you think racism is in the past, you haven't lived in my shoes. And we had, and we had that conversation. Now I hope you're enjoying this conversation with that pastor that uh, from Oklahoma that voted for Joe Biden. Um, let me give you a quick note here. There's a couple of things I would like for you to check out. One of those is that I do spiritual and emotional health coaching. It's 
It's called the Core Leaders Network, and I have an online curriculum and cohort learning. And we have a new cohort starting now and another starting in March. And if you've been thinking about, man, I would just like to have a little more spiritual coaching or even non-Christian emotional well-being coaching, that's what I do when I'm not doing podcasting here on the Nonpartisan Evangelical. So how can you find out about it? You can send me a message by going to the contact page at npepodcast.com, or you can go to my coaching website at coreleadersnetwork.com. Now, that's a lot of info, so if it's easiest, just go to the website, npepodcast.com, send me a message through the events contact page, and say, hey, I'd like to know more about your coaching. If you can decipher it and have a piece of paper in front of you, coreleadersnetwork.com is my coaching website. And I would love to get a chance to walk with you with online curriculum learning, one-on-one sessions with me over the 15 weeks of the program, and uh, cohort learning as well. For some of you now, you're asking what I do one-on-one spiritual coaching alone. We're working on that process, and if that would interest you, again, reach out and email me through the website at npepodcast.com. The other thing I want is I want you to buy my book. I am really proud of it. It's called Joseph Comes to Town. It's a novel that imagines what Jesus would say to the evangelical church were he on earth today you can get it through amazon or you can go to my website npepodcast.com and it'll tell you how to get it but it's a really good book i think it's a life-changing book and i think it's a world-changing book that you can give to people around you as well it's called joseph comes to town and the subheading is sort of yeah a little bit of clickbait it says when the religious right goes religiously wrong I'd love to have it for you to have a copy. So go to my website, npepodcast.com, and click on that Joseph Comes to Town or Joseph the Novel button at the top of the page. All right? So coaching, novel, check them out. Now, let's talk to that pastor from Oklahoma who voted for Joe Biden right here on the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast and npepodcast.com. I lived in a very conservative home. When you're a kid, there's that inner struggle and you never want to buck the system. But I remember I I was married. We got married super young. I took my first full-time position in ministry and I I had a kid in my youth group who was, she was an amazing student, amazing family, just awesome folks. And she goes off to college, freshman year of college, goes to a party, one night stand with a guy, gets pregnant. And it's a tough situation, not what she had envisioned, not what her parents had envisioned. Okay. But they just decide, look, hey, not the way we planned it, but we got a grandbaby on the way. This is exciting. We're going to help. We're going to support. We're going to love. Like, it's going to be good and everything's going to be fine. Like, nothing we can do about it now. We got a baby on the way. And I remember them going to the church and asking if they could have the baby shower there. And the pastor told them that they would have to talk about it in the deacon's meeting. And then I remember sitting in that meeting and one of our lead deacons standing up and looking at the rest of that group of men and going, if we allow her to have her baby shower in this church, what message are we sending to the community about the sin she's living in? And that's, that was the point for me where I was like, I'm out. Like I'm out. I can't sit here and pretend like this is not a thing anymore. Yeah. I don't see, I don't see that from Jesus at all. And I, so I see Jesus as someone who was about equality and social justice and love and grace and compassion and forgiveness and all of those things that we should be about. And, and so that was, that was a big tipping point for me. And then from there, it's been an interesting ride, but yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure somebody out there is, yeah, but because this is what we always hear. Yeah, but Jesus said, go and sin no more. And I've done a lot of content on that thing and said, guys, read the whole story and know what the story is about. The story is not about a woman who had sex. The story is about Jesus' anger at these men putting this woman on display and the system that put her in that place in the first place. And and at least note that he put his entire reputation, his vocation, his career, everything on the, even his life on the line for yes. her before he ever turned to her and said anything at all. And the first thing he said when he turned to her was, hey, where are your condemners? And she said, I think you ran them off. 
And he's, so now I deserve to condemn you and I don't. And after all of that, then he said, go and sin no more, which we can interpret what he meant. But that's not the process you're talking about that happened in that church there. No, not at all. And that's, first off, when you think about this, the, the story of this woman who's caught in adultery, there's several, there's always like really good questions that boil out of that story for me. The first thing is I, I just, I want, I, the, my first question out of the mouth when I stand face to face with Jesus is going to be, so what were you writing in the dirt? <laughs> like, yeah. I, I have to know. I have got to know because that is like one of the greatest mysteries of scripture for me. And I know there's all these, like there's all of these theories about what those things were, but yeah. And why did it scare off the old guys first? Like why did the older guys leave first and the young guys hung in till the last moment? And that's what's so wild. It's like, it's super intentional and you could tell something like real happened there. And I, I just, I gotta know, I gotta know. Cause that's probably the place in scripture the most where I'm like, Jesus is a bad man. Like just, they come to him and cause here's the thing you put, you hit the nail on the head. They, they were, it wasn't even really about her. It was about catching Jesus and they wanted him to buck against the commandments to go, look, you don't, you are standing against the law. Therefore you're not a good teacher. And obviously they wanted a chance to, to arrest him, to execute him. And as they eventually did with nothing, but it's, or I think they were just trying to marginalize him. I think they would have been fine if he had condemned her. Then they could say to all these people, see, he's not quite as yeah, gracious and loving as you think he is. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if he says, oh, just go away, give her grace. He doesn't follow the law. So either right. way is not good. Cause it's a, it's a talking point. So what is it? The homie Jesus See, I, I learned that tactic from Jesus, by the way, cause I, people are always giving me this gay people going to heaven. Yes or no. Or they're always yes or no. Yeah. Just give me a yes or no. And I never give them a yes or no answer because, and it makes them so mad, but Jesus never like just answered the question. So he could be marginalized on one side or the other. He started to delve into the deeper purpose of what was going on. That was something that that's something that I always love to combat those questions with is somebody's if somebody's practicing, homosexual going to hell and i'll always come back with those who've committed any type of adultery going to hell and you always see the wheels start to turn because it's man i don't want to say that because maybe i was out at a restaurant one night and gave a girl a glance real quick and i know that wasn't right and scripture says as man thinks in his heart. And so like they know all of those things. Yeah, I love, I always love to ask, is there anybody in your church that has had a no-fault divorce and remarried that is a Sunday school teacher or a board member or a pastor? Because Jesus himself said that person is living in adultery for the rest of their lives. Yeah, yeah. We tend to look at heterosin a little bit differently, don't we? And I, and I think one thing that we do a really poor job at is that we stand in the middle of downtown Manhattan and we look up and we try to, number one, we're trying to define what sin is all the time out of our convenience. Yeah. But then we're standing in the middle of downtown Manhattan and we're looking up at, at buildings and we're saying, oh, this sin's really bad and this sin's not as bad. And, one of, and, and I feel like God sees sin at, at 30,000 feet. It just... If it's wrong, if it's right, it's right, and period. And But His grace is good enough to cover it. That's the part we miss so often. It's like His grace blankets that. And Yeah, know. I wanted to talk more about the social justice aspect of this, and I think you're right. I don't think Jesus would be liberal or conservative or Republican or Democrat. The Bible says, you know, neither, neither Jew nor Greek, all of those things. But on, as we're recording this last Wednesday was the breaching of the Capitol building by these folks. And I think we're all still processing through that. So I'd love to hear your take on that. But I just happened to have been scheduled to do a live event with a predominantly African-American church in Wichita, Kansas that, that night. And, and we had another preset topic to talk about. And obviously that got thrown away. But just to your story of the young man being stopped in the car, I actually caught myself Wednesday night because I didn't understand the gravity. I, I had some idea of, hey, if these weren't white people, this would go differently. But when I got on that, that it wasn't a Zoom call, whatever, that, that platform with these black folks, I could feel their abject sense of being treated as less than by their country once again. 
that they were again grieving that a, that a black life doesn't matter as much as a white life in America. And Jeremy, I just think as the church, we've got to repudiate that. We can't just tickle the lines on this thing. We have to say racism in our midst in the church is abhorrent to God, don't you think? I could not agree with you more on that. And I think here a couple of videos ago, I said something about if something is against the character of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus, then we have to renounce it quickly and loudly. But we're too worried about making sure that folks don't leave our country club and that they, they don't quit writing their checks. And that's been the biggest problem with the American church for a long time is that we're trying to keep everybody happy. And I, th I think it goes back to originally what I was you know, talking about when I first got on TikTok. It was like the lid came off and all this, all this stuff just started pouring out of me that I was like, I was so angry about because there's just so many things that that the church needs to be better at. And this is a prime example and probably the A number one thing that we have got to, especially when you talk about churches here in the South or in the Midwest, something that we have got to be actively fighting against. And that was my first thought as I was watching all of those events unfold. I remember feeling as angry as I did on 9-11 when I was watching that live. And I remember telling my six-year-old, I was like, and I don't know if this, would, this really registers with her, but I was like, this is the thing that we're going to remember where we were forever. It's one of those historical events. An insurrection incited by the President of the United States. That's what it is. Domestic terrorism. That's what it is. And yet, as those folks pushed their way into the United States Capitol with Congress actively working inside. There are police officers taking selfies with people inside the building. There are police officers that are just standing there chatting. Like they look like they're part of the crowd. I saw videos of them like removing barricades and letting people in closer and closer. Helping a woman down the steps as they were leaving. Yeah. 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 And then I, I remember seeing like they were in the rotunda. There was a camera set up in the corner. And as all these people are like filing through the rotunda, there are police officers standing there like it's a normal day and they're just keeping people away from statues. And I, I just couldn't help but think if this was a Black Lives Matter protest, which we saw earlier in the year, with less people. Yeah. The and nowhere Guard, near the Capitol. Nowhere near the Capitol. The National Guard was immediately called in. When the National Guard shows up, rifles in hand, SWAT gear, the whole nine, tensions automatically mount. And here we are, a day when... And it's come out that in national security briefings, they had been talking about this deal on the 6th because the president had been pushing it. There was so much tension mounting and building. And so all of this momentum to this day was building, building. And then you've got Josh Hawley, who I really have to pray every time before I say his name. <laughs> you've got this guy who is and guys like Ted Cruz who are stirring the pot and just allowing it to get more and more out of control and and, di and didn't you think after all that, there's no way Josh Hawley goes through with it going forward that, you know, that they came back and did that again is Listen. just mind boggling to me. But How he's, a, he's the same guy who, who walks by and throws a fist to the crowd. Yeah, it's solidarity. I don't ever have to wonder again about what Josh Hawley's principles are. Yeah, I don't remember the president when he had his folks move people out of the way so he could hold a Bible upside down in front of a church saying to those people, I love you. You're very special. You're very special, but go home. Yeah. Guys, <laughs> stop it. You guys stop it. It, yeah. it makes me very angry. It makes, it makes me very me, angry. And it I, makes me I, very I, angry at our people, Jeremy, very angry that we're a part of that. Yeah, and, and that's why we have to keep speaking so loudly against it, because it is not okay. By any stretch of the imagination, when you talk about, when you talk about from the perspective of being, of being white, we cannot allow 
the folks who look like us to continue to act this way. That is not okay, period. It must cease today. Yesterday was too long. The day before that was too long. The hundred years before that was too long. And then when you think about being people who are who are Christians and pastors, watching people waving Jesus saves flags as they're yeah. using those to bash out the windows of the Capitol, like, hey, that is, hey, it's just, it's devastating. And I, there are so many things that I'm still just boiling mad on when it comes to that whole thing. It's just hard to talk about because it, because it hurts and, and because it, it's embarrassing and because that's not who we should be. As people who love one another, that's not who we should be. As Christians, that's not who we should be. As followers of Jesus, that is definitely not who we should be. And the fact that the name of Jesus was used to justify this, the fact that the concept of conservative evangelicalism was used to defend this is, is devastating and painful. And it's a wonder. I told my wife, and this may sound really crass or, or just blunt, but I told my wife, I said, if this was people of color who had done the exact same thing, we would be talking about a massacre. Yeah. Or Muslims. Or mu- just any people of color, any, yes. Yeah. And people of other religions. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. We would have, number one, there would have never been seven, seven guards and a guy eating a donut like that. It would have been full on national guard would have been there when people showed up. It would have never allowed it to be a light patrol day or whatever uh, in the first place. But then if the barricades were even pushed, you would, you would have seen devastation. You would have seen, it just doesn't match. It just doesn't match. And we have got to stop being okay with it. And we can never be, we can never be desensitized to it. See, that's the problem is we have become desensitized to it. And and all of a sudden this is just, Oh, it is what it is. We have got to stop being okay with it. Stop it. Yeah. And I guess, but it's important that we acknowledge I, I, there were officers doing their job. There's oh, the, video, absolutely. the video of the one police officer that, that drew the crowd away from the Senate chambers. That guy is a stud. He is my hero today. And, and we see the pictures of the officers in the Senate chamber who are pointing their guns through that door. I, that's not a job I ever want to have where I have to pull a gun from my holster and make a choice of somebody's life on a given day for my job. So I do, we do acknowledge that. And one officer lost his life. Yeah. Well, and, and we definitely do acknowledge that. And we're grateful for that service. And the, the police officers you're talking about that was like standing between a, an angry mob and the Senate chamber was also a guy that served this country in, in, yeah. in the military as well. And what an incredible young man who loves our country. That man loves this country. You want to talk about loving this country and loving the constitution or whatever patriotic things you want to talk about. That's it right there. That guy's American is apple pie and baseball, man. Yeah. And, and, and hey, all that, I, I believe those people have every right. The people that were there that day had every right to be on the street, making their voice sure. heard and, and all of that. And even to march down to the Capitol, they had every right to do that. But the second you start going through barricades and, and somebody has to be rational enough to say, hey, we are now breaking out windows in the nation's capital. This is not okay. This is not who we are. But you're uh, talking about yeah. irrational people yeah. that, that have been buying and trading with the lies of the president of the United States. Yeah. Like, I, let that sink in. When have you sat and watched a president consistently spew fallacy after fallacy and work up a base to the point where they go attack the Capitol? And th- those people are done with logical reasoning. Yeah. Trump appointed judges shot down every single case, 60 some odd, 72 maybe cases yeah. that hit courts across this country, all the way up to the Supreme Court of which President Trump appointed three justices. Yeah. And there was no legitimacy to any of it. There's just... And I think this is, I think you and I have been talking about whatever voice we have, what does that voice look like going forward for the church? Because that president we're talking about has been endorsed and defended and protected by our leaders. And I even heard from somebody yesterday that their pastor of their church from the pulpit yesterday said this was Antifa and Black Lives Matter. 
doing this yesterday. So we are, we have put ourselves in a position, and by we, I say the evangelical church, because those are my people, and that's who I get to speak into. And I pastored, in what, a senior pastor in one of their churches for 10 years and know that mentality. And we have set up people to be deceived in this way in many ways, with a whole lot of different ways that we could go into how we, we get people groomed to believe these things. QAnon and the like that we should be absolutely repudiating loudly today. But with your voice and you have 60, what, 68 some thousand followers on TikTok, you have people that trust you. How do you think you use your voice going forward to see? I I trust that you still love the church and want it to be the best it can be. So what do you think that message looks like going forward? I still love the church because that's the big C church. We're saying that like, yeah, like yeah, the brotherhood yeah, yeah. of churches across yes. America. Yeah. 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 Even while we specifically talk about the church in America, when we talk about the church, it, you know, that really is the church across the world, you right. know, but trust me, my, my British friends of the church are sending me text on a regular yeah, basis right. saying, what in the heck is going on with you guys? <laughs> As they should be. Yeah, it's, yeah. That's an easy question for you to answer, huh? Yeah, well, I do love the church. And the reason that I continue to love the church is because for all of her marks and imperfections, she is still the bride of Christ. And, And what she can be, and it's why I love our country too, because what she can be can be something so beautiful and, and incredible and world-changing and something that's impacting lives uh, for the better every day. And so I passionately believe that. Yeah. So as I continue to speak, I think we hit, I don't know, 76,000 a day or something crazy like that, which is nuts on, on TikTok. Awesome. It's insane. 76.5. I'm looking right now. Are you looking? Nice. Okay. Nice. Cool. Cool. (laughs) But as I continue um, to speak into, you know, those, the lives of those people and uh, the people around me and in my circles, the thing that that I'm going to continue to to talk about is how our actions and our heart need to look like Jesus. And that means that sometimes we're going to meet people with love and grace. Sometimes that is that feels extremely undeserved, and but that but we should be people of love. We should be people of grace. We should be people who fight for the betterment uh, of our fellow man, and to continue to raise one another up. And I think that as we continue to have those conversations, sometimes that means that things are going to have to be called out within the church. Things that have stood for too long that we've allowed to fester and uh, grow into monsters uh, within the church. And so we're going to have hard conversations. We're going to have to love better and we're going to have to speak better. And so I think as I look forward and talk about the days ahead, I think there needs to be a lot of balm given to those who have been hurt and broken by the church. But I think we still need to continue to call out these things and burn down these things that have got a, gotten us to this place and to, and, and, and to never let them be a part of um, who we are as followers of Jesus again. Yeah. I think something that's important in that, Jeremy, too, is I don't know a Christian that wants to be hateful and condemning. And I tell people on a regular basis, like your language is hateful and condemning. And they're like, I don't hate or condemn anybody. And and I'm like, but to the people that are hearing you speak or share what you're sharing on social media or commenting on my page, they hear hate and condemnation. And so it doesn't matter what your intention is. It, they're receiving it that way. And yeah, I just think there's going to have to be some really hard conversations about, we may have to accept some people that don't look like what we think they should look like. And we may have to love some people that don't look very lovely in our grid of what Christian ought to be. And I really think that's what God is challenging the heart of the church within a lot of ways. And in some ways, what we're seeing is the response of the church, and and that's leaders and the people in it. We're saying, hell no, Jesus, just like Peter. When, when Jesus said, Peter, eat those animals and go hang out with that Roman, his answer was, hell no, Lord, I'm not going to do that because my mm. Bible... My interpretation of the Bible tells me not to. And 
And Jesus ultimately said, do you get to decide that or do I get to decide that? And that's what I think Jesus is saying to us today in some ways. And it's a very hard question because I know all the theology of everybody else, but I still think God is saying, don't call that person unclean. I want you to go sit with them. I want you to lose your reputation for them. I want you to lose your job for them. Then you can start to ask questions about how they live their life. But first, you connect with them and you connect them with the Father. And let's see where it goes from there. Yeah, I I think that's a really good point. And I think it was like I've gotten some, some pretty wild messages and comments. And I think at times it's stressful as you grow a following on social media and I had had somebody calling places that I've worked in the last several years looking for me, um, saying they were coming to Oklahoma and they were going to find me and this kind of stuff. And and I remember having friends saying, man, is it worth it? This seems like a lot of stress. You've always got to think about the new thing to say and the best way to speak into people's lives. And then to couple that, it's all this, you know, this hate and this drama and all this. And, uh, is it worth it? And Man, I'm, I just, I, I, my response to that is I'm really glad that when the first, when the first wind of uh, difficulty blew that Jesus didn't just fold like a cheap tent and but that he lived out his, his ministry. And then he continued to face the ridicule and the persecution and all of the things that Jesus faced. They haven't come and carried me away and, and tried to execute me yet. <laughs> how how so, are you doing that processing and... What advice would you have for people who are distressed by what we're seeing today? Uh, people who are like, what do you mean? Clarify a little bit. Sorry. As you're dealing with these different opinions coming at you that I hear that from a lot of people, there's strife in their family over politics. And then of course, seeing what we saw on Wednesday, I think a lot of people are looking for answers and trying to figure out how do I process all of this going on? And so even as you're then taking comments from 76,000 followers, how are you, how are you processing all of that? And how are you keeping yourself from not losing hope and being too distressed in all the middle of that? Yeah, that may, yeah, yeah, makes sense. I try to stay as grounded as possible, having honest conversations with people in my inner circle, my wife, two or three folks that I'm that I'm on staff with at church that are really great about pouring into my life. They're good about they're good about watching my content. A, a video might you know get 40, 50, 60,000 views, maybe a hundred thousand views or whatever, and I may think it's the greatest video in the world. And they're like calling me, going, "Hey, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that?" Tweak, critique, and and that kind of thing, which is always good. Not not just from a content standpoint, but then also they're doing a really good job of going, "Hey, just keep." speaking the truth. You're saying the right things here. Your voice matters. When my wife looks at me and goes, people need to hear what you're saying. Mm. That is, that fills my cup. That that she's, your voice is important. You have to keep talking. And I could get wrapped up in all the negativity, all the hate, all the frustration, the grenades getting lobbed in the middle of the room by people who are either running into my DMs and saying things or saying stuff in comments or all of those things. I could get wrapped up in that or I could get wrapped up in these people who I know have my best interest at heart. They have the best interest of the church at heart um, and they care about the message. They care about my well-being. And so it's all about community. And that's why I'm still a very firm believer in the church. You asked me earlier, why do I still love the church? It's the bride of Christ and we were created to be in community together. And so it's that community aspect of people who are just continuing to love and encourage and lift me up and speak truth into my life. So good. So good. I love that answer. That's brilliant. And so how do people find you on TikTok? And are you doing any other social media platforms that you'd like to invite people to? Just uh, just TikTok, Jeremy C. Radio. That's uh, that's the best place to find me. And you can you can go follow me on there. And like I said, my, my direct messages are open to anybody. We don't have to follow each other back. So you can always personally communicate with me. I try to get to as many of those as possible. And that's the best way to contact me. And yeah, that's good for you. Awesome. And hang out. At Jeremy C. Radio, and we will be letting people know shortly that that you and I and another TikToker, April A. Joy, who I've had on the podcast before, we're going to do a little something together. Okay, I, so I was curious about how much of that we were divulging. <laughs> That's why I was hesitant because I All didn't right. know. So yes, 
April, Paul and I are going to be doing a live stream. Can we, can we just tell them about it a little sure, bit? Sure. If you feel confident to do it, yeah. I'm okay with it. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So we're going to be doing, we're going to be doing a little, we're going to do doing a live stream. Well, what Wednesday nights, it's uh nine on the East coast, six on the, six on the West. Is that yep. right? Yep. And then eight o'clock here in the central, because none of us could live in proximity to each other. Yeah. <laughs> but so that'll be on Wednesday nights. We're going to live stream that on YouTube. And then we'll have a TikTok account. That'll be at Evangelical-ish. I and love so it. That already exists at Evangelical-ish. And then um, there's a link to the YouTube page as well. And then we'll podcast that for you. And we're going to make some some collaborative content and stuff and put it on, put it on uh, the TikTok. It's going to be, dude, I'm so pumped. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And so I just want to say, it's, and it's at Jeremy C Radio on TikTok. And I agree with your brilliant and astute wife. You, you have a voice that's really important. And I do believe that people that look like you and drive trucks like you and live where you live and all those things. And by the way, I live in the Oklahoma of California in central California. So we're quite the red state in the middle of the bluest of blue states here. But mm. I think it's important that people that look like you share the voice that you're sharing. So I definitely encourage people to go check out your TikTok page and see your stuff because I think it's a very important voice in this season. So thank you for what you're doing. Well, and I'm grateful for you as well. And it's good to have community of folks like, I mean, like you in April. And the reason that we are coming together to speak is because the things that we believe that need to be said for our culture and for our communities are true in Tennessee. They're true in Oklahoma. They're true in California. And and I'm grateful for your content as well, for your brotherhood. And I'm looking forward to just where the next, the next several months takes us. And as we move into hopefully a new and exciting season, not only in our country, but just for, for Christianity as well, that, that God would be glorified in a beautiful way. That's awesome. Awesome. All right, Jeremy, thanks so much for being with me on the podcast. And yeah, everybody who's listening, we just bless you. It's it's okay to think. It's okay to know people differently than that, that think differently than you. In mm. fact, I would implore you, and, and Jeremy, you can jump in on this. I would implore you, meet somebody who believes differently than you. Have coffee, socially distanced coffee with somebody that is a part of a different religion, a different political party, a different mindset than you. I think it's key to knowing the true will of God in the season and his heart for people, for sure. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And you, it's hard to hate people when you're sitting kneecap to kneecap with them and either having coffee or even over Zoom. And you talk about during the pandemic, but just sitting down and having honest relationship conversation gives you a different perspective. And I think that's, I think that's really good, Paul. I like that. Good stuff. Jeremy Coleman. Thanks for being with us. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.